Hi, this is Trent Bryson coming with a podcast called Grit Rising to you today. My whole vision of the podcast is to bring in stories and people that are doing unique things that don't always have the path painted for them. They're kind of finding a way to be different, unique, and special. Welcome to the next episode of Grit Rising. I'm like so excited. I generally wake up feeling pretty amazing, but this morning I was giddy. And I was giddy in a different way than normal. I have Elizabeth Dubay, who's a licensed sex therapist. I'm gonna let her introduce herself, but um, so many people are probably thinking, what does a sex therapist have to do with grit, grit rising, which we're gonna get into, but I'm super excited to have you. Um, we've known each other for over 10 years, and so um, I don't need, I don't wanna read a long bio, but why don't you just introduce who you are, what you do, mm -hmm. and then uh, let's get into it. Okay. So I'm a licensed sex and relationship therapist. I've got a private practice in Long Beach, California. For those listeners that are not in California, right? Yep. I don't know. And I've been doing this for quite a long time, but it's always felt like a, like a calling for me. I feel really comfortable talking about sex and I love making people feel comfortable talking about it. So I turned it into a job and that's what I love doing. And I do coaching for people outside of California, but the deep stuff, the deep, like looking at the struggles that people have, that's, that's in my private practice in Long Beach. Cool. You know, I, I think, um, I've been lucky enough to be a part of a lot of nonprofits. And if I equate this to, if I go on stage and I give away, uh, the greatest package ever from Orange Twist, the med spa, and say, hey, I'm going to give you a hydrofacial and cool sculpting and um, Botox, and it could be worth $25,000. Mm -hmm. Nobody will raise their hands to buy this package. Even though they're all doing it, they won't do it because of their ego. Yeah. And then if I were to say, hey, I'm going to fly you in a private jet to Catalina, which is like maybe like $500, right? Everybody raises their hand and, and acts like they're a big deal and, and wants to do it. And, and that's what makes this exciting to me is, um, is it's such a like crux of our life is, mm -hmm. is, is sex, but everybody's so afraid to ask the question. So I'm hoping um, I get to ask you a bunch of questions that maybe in people's the back of their mind um, that gets them through it. And then the other part of it is, is the podcast called Grit Rising and... Um, and so many people have said, like, they almost like laughed at me. They're like, what, yeah. what does a sex therapist have to do with grit rising? And I'm like, I'm so excited about it because I think that everybody deals with trauma in their life in some form. Leading up to this, I asked a bunch of people questions like, what would you ask? Liz? Mm -hmm. and, and so I think the first part, getting into that deeper part of it is, is that trauma is, if, if you were to pull your, your clients over the years, like, what's probably the most common trauma that they experience that affects their ability or inability to have like quality intimacy with their partner mm. it's funny because people would think it's it's like rape or or sexual abuse as a kid right and which that is common it's hor horribly common for women but probably the most common thing is trauma that has been received by another partner through consensual sex, and it was basically something that they said, something that they did that made you feel judged, where it was like, oh, I'm not good enough. 
I'm not performing enough, I'm not sexy enough, I'm not lasting long enough, I didn't orgasm the right way, uh, my kink is something that is they think is weird. And, and so those might have been whispers in our ears because of the way that we've been socialized and basically Hollywood is our sex ed teacher. And so we think that sex is supposed to be like Hollywood. And so we've got these whispers in our ears that we're not good enough because maybe our kinks or our desires don't line up with what is what we see as being okay. But then you go and you have sex with a partner and then they say, oh, you're not good enough or, or, or they judge the way that you're showing up. And that can be so humiliating and devastating and shut us down. And this is why sometimes people can feel like more free on a, on a one night stand, like a hookup, yeah. than with a long-term partner. Because that one night stand, you don't have to wake up and look at them in the morning. You're you like, can do whatever you want to do, get off, enjoy yourself, and move on. The and selfishness of it. it is yeah, yeah. Or even, even and not even selfish, but just being able to say, I want to do what I want. I'm, gonna, I'm here to please you as well, but I'm not worried. If, if you don't like it, if you're going to judge me, fuck you. Yeah. I don't care. But if it's your partner for, and that you love them, and then they're going to judge you the next morning and say, oh, gross, you wanted to put your finger up my ass? Like, oh, yuck, you're so weird for wanting to do that. Well, okay, now, now here I got to live with you yeah. and look you in the eye after you've told me I'm bad, I'm wrong. And that's traumatic for people. It sits in your body and, that's, and you carry that to future partners. You carry that around with you in life. Yeah, I think guilt, shame something that, that people feel a lot is like, hey, I, oh, I offended that person in, a, in an intimate moment. And mm -hmm. that, that's, that's a pretty, pretty crazy thing. As you, as you go through that idea, I also want to expand on this, is um, the idea of like, like you talked about Hollywood and, and porn. Um, mm -hmm. Some people say porn's great. Some people say like, oh, I, I am afraid that porn is, is a setup. It's manipulated. It's not real. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Your thoughts on porn and how that interacts with a, a, an intimate relationship. Yeah. I don't really have a, strong opinions about porn. I don't think that it's good or bad. I think that it gets complicated when you're in a relationship with someone who feels like porn is infidelity. And then they come to me and they say, okay, we, we want you to ref, ref this topic. I'm like, oh, hell no. I don't want to ref that topic. I bet you get like, referee <laughs> oh, consults I, all the time. Yeah, give me, give me my hat and my striped shirt. No, yeah. that's not going to happen. So ultimately, I think that porn can be really helpful to be able to have a knowledge of how do, the, how do bodies fit together and what does this look like and let me get some ideas and, and to identify what is it that turns me on and to be able to expand your palette of your, what, what you fantasize about and, and what can excite you. If it's a substitute for sex, yeah, that's a problem. You know, I mean, sex is supposed to be about connection and pleasure with another human being or with yourself. But if it's only yourself and you're isolating to a screen, yeah. It's just, it tends to become problematic. I think that uh, 
cons uh, porn is a concern for me when when people start too young before you are developed in a way like we, like we don't want we don't want our kids to to drink or do drugs at a, at a young age it's like wait till you're older <laughs> to, to where you dabble in that sort of stuff but if they start from a young age we realize you are messing up your brain well the same thing is with porn is that you're it, these these people that come to me where they started watching porn at age 11 yeah like that's just kind of it it, it it has an imprint on your brain and and if you start to rely on it then you have never developed an imagination and when you're with a partner you don't have a screen there to entertain you to keep an erection or to keep your arousal level so that you can reach orgasm that you need to be able to use your imagination and so i think that that there's lots of pros and cons to using substances to support our arousal but um i don't i don't I, I go either way. I think yeah. that, that it's not a good or a bad. Let's stick on that theme for a minute. So let's say you have a partner and one's got a high sexual libido and one doesn't. Um, Pretty much like most couples. Is that the case? Yeah, there's always one person that's okay. higher. But do you mean high, high? Uh, high let's say high, high, and then the other okay. one's whatever. Uh -huh. Stress at work. Maybe it's something with themselves and insecurity. Mm -hmm. uh, you can touch on that if it is. Um, the... The right substitute, because then, then you go, okay, so this person's either going to starve, they're going to look outside, yeah. maybe they're going to go to porn, maybe yeah. they go to masturbation. Mm -hmm. What is there a, a right answer? The, for the right substitute? Yeah, or okay. is it, how do, yeah. how do we, how I does look, that person go, maybe the right answer is like, I have a high, high libido and this person doesn't, how do I get this person to, to my side? Yeah, to meet me. Does that come up a lot? Yes. I would assume. That is the most common thing that I treat is we call it desire discrepancy. Okay. Yeah. And so it's most common that stereotypes are true sometimes, right? Is that it's the most common that guys have a higher libido than women. There's lots of reasons for that. And if you want me to get on my soapbox about that, I will. But we'll address this question first. So I like to think of porn as a supplement, not a substitute. Okay. If you're in a stage in your relationship where you need a substitute because your partner is ill or there's some, you know, maybe there was a death in the family and there's like just, and, and there, this is a, a phase of life where it's a really, really difficult and they don't, they're not able to tap into their, their sexual desires. But if it's, if it's not that and it's just stress or parenting or, you know, too many responsibilities, then we got to work on the relationship. Like we got to work on what's how can you support and connect with your partner to be able to get you on at a closer level and the partner with the low desire gets to be able to work on figuring out okay if it's a female what is if you're so stressed out what can you do to be less stressed out can you ask for help can you start to prioritize self-care do you need to start start saying yes to sex even when you're not in the mood to see and say okay i'm i'm my, I'm, I'm a yes to touching, making out, and let's see how that evolves, and hopefully my arousal will kick in, and are you going to still be okay with that? Or are you going to pout and have a fit and, and, and uh, really punish me for saying my, it did, things didn't kick in, and so now I don't have desire? So there's, there's a lot of conversations that couples that, that I ask them to start yeah. having about what, what is it about? Are you getting along in the relationship? 
So there's lots, there, I mean, there's so many reasons for desire discrepancy, but ultimately I think porn can be a great support. Masturbation can be a great support where you can't expect your partner to be available to you every day for sex if that isn't, you know, if, if they're not at that level. And so to be able to have something else to be able to support that, I think can be really helpful. Uh, if you're, if you cannot masturbate without porn and get to orgasm, then I go, oh, I don't know, that might be problematic because then when you go to have sex with your partner, are you going to be able to orgasm? And so but, sometimes but so, it becomes So it jumps excessive. to my head. For some guys, it might be like, well, that's kind of cool. So if I get used to it, because one of the, I think you and I have talked about it in the past, one of the biggest fears of guys or insecurities is like, I go too quick. Yeah. Right? So now all of a sudden they're like, oh, is this a, is this a plan? Like it's like, if I'm gonna go run a race, I'm gonna train for it, right? <laughs> totally, I love that analogy. Yes. So, so is that training for it, or is that the wrong training for it? Because, because mm. you talk about compartmentalizing a little bit, and, and you know, the, the Tommy Lasorda, Tommy Lasorda, or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Yes, Thinking yes. about baseball as uh -huh. we talk about it, versus training, versus categories. Like, talk a little bit about. Okay. So, is masturbation? a good way to be able to help yourself last longer? Or, yeah. or are you asking is porn? Let, let's start with masturbation. Okay. So, yeah, like I was saying before we started, is that guys think that if I think about baseball, I can make myself last longer. Yeah. And that's just not true. What you need to think about is your body. You need to be connected with your body and know what's happening. If you are all of a sudden coming and you think, oh my God, how did I come? And you didn't even know it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> No pun intended, so pun intended, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you need to, you should know that the tingle in your knees, moving up your thigh, that you're getting close to coming. And if you don't know that, it's probably because you're thinking about baseball. Got you it. need to slow down and start paying attention to your body. And so if you want to start lasting longer, if you're struggling with lasting longer, that's through masturbation. Is it, that, that can be the most efficient way is, is that you slow down your masturbation practice. I think a lot of guys are in a hurry when they masturbate, right? You know, like you're, yeah. as a teenager, you're like, okay, let me get, let me finish before my mom gets home, before <laughs> I get walked in by my parents. And so you're in a hurry, and you're, and the way that you show up sexually with a partner is gonna, is gonna be the same thing. Yeah. And now you may have extra stimulation because you're there with a really hot woman, and you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna blow my load because she's so sexy and turning me on, versus when you're by yourself. So really, masturbation is the more that you can slow it down and back yourself up and be able to be aware of what's happening with your body. If, you, if you're coming at a 10, know what's happening at your body at a seven or an eight so that you aren't, so it's not influencing your, uh, uh, where, where you're at and coming, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. It's, like, it's like, if you're, if you're feeling, if you can know what a seven or an eight feels like, then you can back it up. But if you don't know what a seven or eight feels like, that's why you're coming and you never even, you can't back it up. It's to the point of no return. And getting back to, God, it's so poignant in terms of um, the discrepancy. And part of why I did this, this podcast is I could probably think of, you know, 100 guys that have a discrepancy with their, their spouse or mm -hmm. their female partner. But if they were to say like, "Hey, I think we should go see a sex therapist," like, yeah, they may be in a divorce, or they're or they're considered dirty or or mm -hmm. whatever. Like, 
Like a guy that goes home to his girlfriend or wife and says, hey, I always want to have sex. You never want to have sex. Um, maybe we go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, she may think that he's dirty or he, he's going to get it elsewhere or whatever that is. What's the best solution there? Yeah, it's so fascinating to me that anyone would think that when you say, hey, honey, let's figure this out, that they're going to, that you're, if, if you if, if your partner thinks that, that that there's something bad that you would want to go see a therapist to help you, that it's that's like so that's so sad. Well, mental health is now like remember it used to be like yeah. oh god now it's becoming more mainstream. But now, how far are we before sexual mental health becomes mainstream? Yeah, right? like that. That's part of why we're we're doing yeah. this here today. Is like um, if, if if you have a thousand couples that listen to us and all of a sudden they're like, Oh shit, maybe I do need this, mm-hmm. but that's crazy. Cause I, I know for a fact that most of my friends or colleagues would be like, you think I'm going to suggest to my wife that we're going to go see a therapist on this? Like she's going to kill me. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. I mean, I do know that this is, it. it's daunting. And so many of the people that come in to see me, they've never been to therapy before. And I often make the joke of, wow, you're, you're just jumping right in, going, you know, yeah. going straight for, you know, the deep end of, of therapy. I think that if you're presenting it to your partner, do it in a way that is, you're making it clear that you want to figure out what it is, what is it that I can do as well? I'm, we're not going to sex therapy so that I can blame you and say, that you're the problem because you don't want to have sex with me as often as I want to have sex How with you. How often does that happen? How often does what happen? That, that people, people present it in a bad come way? come in oh. and they just want you to tell, the, like you to be the referee. Every time. They, they like come to you and they're like, see, I validated. Almost like, all the time. You should be having sex more. That it's very much that, that it, people often go to therapy saying, can you fix her? And then she says, can you fix him? Yeah. And, and so I very much structure my sessions to say, we're, we're here to assess what is the goal, what is the end goal, and then from there I want you to acknowledge, Trent, what are you going to work on to be able to meet this goal? And Liz, what are you going to work on to meet this goal? But I'm not going to ask Trent what Liz needs to do, and I'm not going to ask Liz what Trent needs to do. Yeah. That, because we know. We've heard our partner complain. We've heard our partner request, demand, cry, scream, yell. But we, if we go to a therapy session and I sit there and I say, you know, what's wrong with your partner? It's not going to go well. And that's going to look like it just looks like at home. And that's why you're paying me to be able to help you to start to figure out what is the dynamic. Because if, if there's a huge discrepancy, there's a problem. If there's a small discrepancy, it could just be a desire thing. It could just be, you know, yeah, women tend to not have as much desire as men. But it does get flipped, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So it's it's being able to tell your partner, hey, this is something that's important to me, that this is the way, this is this matters, this is an important part of the relationship, and, and if there's something that I need to shift in the relationship so that you have more desire for a sexual relationship with me, then I want to figure that out. But if your partner feels like you just want it, why do you think they don't want to have sex with you? Yeah. People want to have sex with someone who makes them feel desired. 
And I think that oftentimes men forget to do that for women once they've stopped dating. They keep going. That <laughs> well, no, because I, I, you know, myself, I yeah. know I put really high expectations on people in yeah. everything. Yeah. Work, life, training. Mm -hmm. Like I put high expectations on myself, so yeah. I probably put too high of expectations on on my partner or that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And so I'm just, all of a sudden you say that, and I'm like, oh shit, am I the one that's doing that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that I think that people get comfortable. And then, you know, my biggest TikTok post. You TikTok. Oh my God, yeah. my TikTok, my biggest TikTok post. The one that I get the most comments on and the most, the, 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 the most uh, followers You're gonna pick up my likes. six followers now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is, I think it was something about why men are confused with female arousal. And the men were pissed. They didn't listen to the whole TikTok because it was over a minute. Yeah. And they were pissed. They were like, oh, you're making us do all the work. Once again, men always have to do all the work. Yeah. And that wasn't what it was about. It was about the fact that, that both parties need to work on your sexual relationship. That, that great sex doesn't, it is, Oftentimes we say, oh, the best sex was, you know, earlier in the relationship. Well, why is that? Part of it was the limerence phase of like the endorphins, the dopamine, all the drugs, the love drugs that we get in new relationships, the excitement, the novelty. But it fades because we stop putting the effort in that we did when we were dating. And so people get this idea that in long-term relationships that, that it's, it, oh, it's too much work. Why do I have to put all this work into it? Well, why were you putting work when, into it when you were dating? It didn't feel like it was work back then. Why does it feel like it's work now? Why is that? Because it's your, what you've got in your head. Can you get excited about taking your woman on a date? Yeah. Can you get excited about doing that and, and, and thinking of some new things to do with her and exploring and adventuring with her? And... Is she, resp is she doing that same thing to you? Is she, is she letting you know how desired she is of you and, and, and how much she appreciates those dates? And is, is she making an effort to, to make you feel cherished and appreciated and respected? But what we start to do is through that comfort stage is we start to um, not express as much positivity about the partner, compliments, desires, and we, criticize more, we get lazy in bed, we get tired, we prioritize other things, we prioritize food, work. Yeah, I agree, and then let me flip it on you, mm -hmm. which is um, you would think that you have your best a female specifically, and, and males too probably, um, would have their best sex in their 20s when they're fit and they have all this testosterone and they have all this thing, but mm -hmm. I think that Females and males that are in their 40s w would probably agree, like, they're having their best sex in their 40s, not their mm -hmm. 20s. Yeah. And they've maybe already had kids. Their bodies are not nearly as fit as they were. They, they wouldn't be as secure as they were when they were 24. Um, they're not tired or, or whatever that is. Why is that? Why? Because people are just more comfortable? Because they figured it out? What, what makes a female that's 40 years old enjoy sex so much more than a 22 year old female that's six percent body fat on top of the world blah blah, blah. You know, all mm -hmm. those those things that you would think naturally would be like oh i'm free and i'm having the best time mm -hmm. hmm i think that 
maybe it's experience, maybe it's confidence through, through the experiences, women get more confident. Maybe it's feeling more comfortable with your body it, that even as you age, even though maybe you, it, you know, it's funny. So many women say this to me. They say, man, I look at pictures of myself when I was in my twenties and I wish I would have appreciated my body back then. Yeah, right. And then women in their sixties, I wish I would have appreciated my, like every, you're always wishing back that you would have appreciated your body at that point in time. And so while it, a woman in her forties may not feel as, as tight or positive about like how strong and, and fit she is, she might feel more positive about her body if she's had lots of positive sexual experiences. But I don't know that that's across the board. Could it be that um, I feel like today we are in 2022, 20 years ago in 2000, religion was a bigger deal, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea of sex in religion was more of procreation and shameful if you're a if you have sex with multiple partners you're a whore mm -hmm, or whatever mm -hmm. all the stupid stereotypes mm -hmm. right and so now we get to 2022 religions frankly probably not as much of a deal and somebody who's 20 years later goes sex isn't a shameful act it's not this like like i'm a female is not going to wake up you know i, I always say like madonna kind of made it okay for females to get laid like that mm -hmm. was like madonna's big mm -hmm. big contribution to society <laughs> in addition to her music is that, that she made it okay and all of a sudden women could be sexual and and now you you, you see it um how much of that do you think plays a role where where women all of a sudden turn 40 45 and they're like i'm gonna live my best life i don't care what my what if somebody calls me a name or whatever mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and by the way i'm not telling them anyways like in high school everybody knows everything you do right yeah because a dude yeah. runs and tells his four friends that he did something that he thought was cool the 45 year old guy's not going and being like oh i you know had did this this and this so how much of that is just societal pressures of like shame versus enjoyment i don't know i mean i just i, I don't know i don't know the answer to that trent i mean i think that that when we're younger, we care more about what people think. So, yeah. And when we're younger, we don't... You know, this goes back to the fact that Hollywood is our sex educator and porn is our sex educator. That scary. That people don't Hollywood have educating us yeah, anything. I know, it's fucked up. That we don't have accurate information. And so a woman in her early 20s is going to be really lacking in information. And who is she screwing? Men in their 20s? Yeah. Yeah. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Nah, yeah. yeah. And they may not be incredibly affirming. But I mean, I, I talk to people all the time where they had a really lovely first sexual partner in high school. And it was like a really positive experience. They learned together. They figure out things together. And so they were actually very confident because they had those positive sexual experiences with a, a person that was their love and that they trusted and so that they got to be able to figure out things together it was a really safe place for them to feel like okay i can make a mistake and it's going to be okay yeah and and so it i, I don't really know because it's it's it is hard for me to relate to the idea that i know people say this that that people are always having better sex in their 40s than they did in their 20s and you know, I'm, I'm kind of an odd bird, so I, I don't know that I hear that a lot from my clients, and it yeah. hasn't really been the way that I saw the world, but I know that that's something that people say. But maybe you, as a man, are experiencing that more with your, you know, you have more awareness of that. I don't Wait, know. We're not talking about me right now. <laughs>
that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> we're not going to ask you. Okay. Uh, most, I know you talked about most common trauma being uh, with like a, a partner where it, it didn't go well. Most common way to fix things, make them better. Mm. Um, I'm, let's go, you know, a partner, two partners are having, you know, a relationship and he's like, everything's great. You know, she's everything I wanted, but she, I don't know, never gives me a blowjob or never. Like, I know that sucks. Yeah. Right. So like you what, poor guy. I, <laughs> how does that, how does, how do they fix it? Like what's other than mm -hmm. coming and seeing you and you mm -hmm. know, spitting. How do you fix the fact that you're not getting blowjobs or the <laughs> <laughs> conversation? You know, like, how, mm -hmm. is it is it just dialogue? Um, is it removing that? Um, like, what what's the like? Just give like a first step would be what to be able to do a repair in a in a, in a relationship or do a request. Ooh, both. Okay. I want A then B. Okay, all right. And then I want yeah, yeah, above. yeah, yeah. So, if you need to repair something, if if you're if you're um, so if there's been a trauma, because let me make sure I'm following your question. Yeah. If there's been a trauma in, in the relationship and the partner's shut down, now they're like, you know what? That was so fucked up that you said that thing to me. Now I'm, I don't want to open up to you. Well, let's start with an apology. Yeah. Without a but, without an explanation. It's only an apology if you say, I am so sorry that I hurt you. And... I want to I want to fix this in whatever way I can and I now I realize that made you feel dot 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 all the different ways it yeah. made you feel. And so you do a, a true repair. Tell me how what can I do to repair this? Get curious and ask your partner, what can I do to repair this? I want to fix this with you. So and then once you've fixed it and now now you're ready for a request or if the request is separate from the repair yeah that man i like i would i really want some oral i would like blowjobs and i i'm so bummed that you don't do that that's something that i would really like what 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 do we need to do i mean i've had couples this is interesting i've had sometimes sex therapy is really basic yeah. it's like common sense and like, or she just didn't know how uh, it could be she didn't know how, but no. The here's a, this. This is so funny that you that was your answer. So <laughs> yeah, he didn't know how. He didn't know how. He wasn't manscaping. Yeah. And he didn't have great hygiene. Yeah. And he wasn't giving her a heads up when he was gonna come. See. Well. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Drawing so that. and so <laughs> yeah yeah. And so so then she's like this like this sucks. it. No, I don't feel safe. That's not, you know, I, I, th yeah. there are things that I'm not comfortable doing. And so that there, there, I have limitations to that. And so then he needs to make adjustments. How can we negotiate something different? I want to do some manscaping. I'm going to take a shower first. And when I'm ready to orgasm, I'm giving you a heads up so that that can be handled in a way that you feel comfortable. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I would say the number one thing. I would I probably hear out there is like oh yeah we used to have sex all the time and then we got married we had a kid and we don't have sex anymore. I mean I'm sure you hear it. All yeah. The time. Do you know when when do women feel the most sexy? After two beers. 
Yeah, totally. Right? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Women, women tend to feel sexy when they're not in a mothering role, when they're not in a working role, when they're not having all these responsibilities put upon so them. So taking them out of that. Yeah. Take them out of it. Going back on the, the date, the yeah. removing the... Put the kids to bed. Tell them, Letting her do some self-care before... If the, if the time that you're having sex is at the end of the day, she's exhausted. If the time that you're having sex is in the morning when she's half asleep, yeah. So, so being able to talk about what, it, what, what, it, what do you need to be able to get in the mood? And also, are you letting her know, I desire you, not just it? And that, and that means when you see her looking good, you tell her, man, you are looking smoking hot. And it's not so that you can get laid tonight. You, it's because she looks smoking hot and you desire her. But what happens when you say you look hot and she's like, you're just trying to have sex with me? Then you say, I'm sorry you feel that way. I love having sex with you. You still look smoking hot. Have a great day. Got it. And you keep telling her that she is smoking hot and you do not give up. Okay. And good. you take, and, and are you doing the same thing? Are you dating her? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is kind of basic math, all right? You want to lose weight? Go work out and eat less. You want to get fucked? Treat your woman the way she, you were treating her when you were when she wanted to fuck you. I think that's that's actually probably the best thing I've heard today. <laughs> it's it's probably dead on. Um, and but let me be clear, okay? Yeah. All your male listeners that are like, oh man, it's all the guys got to do all the work. Let's be clear. Let I me say think, this I one more time. My listeners would be thinking that. I, okay. I hear that and I see that. Yeah. I don't think our it, listeners would be like that. I, I think they get that. Um, I, the yeah. guys that are listening to this show are pretty alpha. They're pretty like prideful, and they're mm -hmm. going to go do what they can to yeah. to be successful. Well, and, when you become TikTok famous and somebody listens to this podcast, maybe they're not one of your regulars. I'm going to have more than <laughs> ten followers one day. On you TikTok. are after today, people. I want you to follow Grit yeah, Rising. Yeah, on not just me. It's going to be so talk big. sex with Liz yeah. on TikTok. So. I'm hearing things out there that I never thought I would have heard. And, and I don't know if it's a relation to this religion thing, but like lifestyle, polyamorous, like mm -hmm. that's got to be entering your conversations way more today than, than ever before. Yeah. Where do you think that's coming from and is it good or bad? I think it's great. I think any conversation about sex that is sex positive is great that if we can start to talk openly about what we want, then I think it's great. I think that it's a shame that people look at non-monogamy as being uh, leading to divorce because it's not true. It's not? No. It is such a fallacy that because what happens is people are already on their road to divorce and they're looking for non-monogamy as a solution. You need to be, things need to be going well in your relationship to be able to open it up that non-monogamy works when you have great communication. But if you're totally struggling in your relationship with communication, trust, respect, then you being able to get your sexual needs met elsewhere is not going to help the relationship. You're just going to feel more cherished by the person that you're having sex with and then you're going to start to really feel that much less appreciated at home. I'm a bit of a math nerd here, so let's go through this. You're telling me that if you took 
a hundred couples that had this really open conversation around non-monogamy, blah, blah, blah. And you had a hundred couples that, that just said, we're going to be monogamous, whether we're happy or not. Because there's plenty of monogamous people that are very mm -hmm. unhappy, right? Yeah. Um, you think that the, what, what would the math look like in terms of eventual divorce? And then does it fucking matter? Or is it eventual happiness? I don't know the math because I'm not a mathematician. I'm a yeah. sex therapist. Yeah. Uh, so, but what I what I do know is that there are there are people who approach it from a, if if people we don't we don't know accurate numbers when we're, when all we're looking at the divorce are the divorce yeah. rates. Not, we, not because it's like after the fact, right? And yeah, married couples don't come and say like, "Hey, we tried this and it worked out great. And we'll put our name in the box, right? Like, yeah, where are you gonna find them? Yeah." And, and, um, and there's not enough research. I mean, it's just really, it's the, uh, the typical culture where it is. Just... What you said shocked me though. Yeah. You saying non-monogamy is not like on the course of divorce shocks me. I would think that when a relationship is failing is when people start to go non-monogamy or lifestyle or polyamorous or whatever. And so they're looking for something or a category. All of a sudden they go, well, I watched this category on porn and therefore I want to try a threesome or whatever. Yeah. Not when it's going really well because it sounds more romantic to say, hey, I just want you and only you and you're amazing versus, hey, I love you and that hot girl we met the other day, right? Like that would be like what you said doesn't resonate with, with my. Well, yeah, because I think because you are looking from a monogamous lens. Yeah. That, that's what you've been socialized towards. Well, because we, we grew up in a Christian society. Yeah, yeah. So, so we think that it can't work. But why, why, do I, why do we have enough love and energy for children in addition to our wife, husband, yeah. partner? Why do we have enough energy and love for friendships? Why can't, why can't we just add sex into that mix? It's because people are scared of jealousy. Jealousy is a, is a very normal emotion, just like anger, frustration, happiness, joy. But we are scared of jealousy. We think that you can't you can't repair you can't you can't do anything with jealousy. But but the last the last time we chatted, there's there, in it, and I've heard it more and more too. Is this the the hot wife thing? Yes. We're like, and, and I'm hearing it more just in in the world of like guys want to see, want to feel good about their wives being liked, right? Is yes. that the hot wife? And uh -huh, so uh -huh. they, they want to watch it or know about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that like blows my mind. Yeah. Like I just want to, like I can't even fathom that, but it's a real thing because it keeps coming up. So touch on that for me. Yeah. So this hot, hot wife. wife thing. Yeah. I like, mean, it's, 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 it isn't a, com I don't think it's that common. Okay. It's pretty, I, I think I've really only had maybe two clients with the hot wife kink yeah and well okay maybe more <laughs> probably more but it's it's a kink that is separate from non-monogamy so non-monogamy is really broad polyamory is really is, is, a, is a piece of non-monogamy okay and so some people can love multiple people and they want to be in relationships with multiple people some people just want to be able to have sex with someone aside from their primary partner. Some people uh, want to just go out and have sex in public in a, in a environment where 
they're having sex with their wife, husband, with other people around, and that's considered non-monogamy. And so the there's a, a lot of varieties, varieties to it. It requires trust, communication. It requires being able to have compassion for your partner. It requires having empathy. I think that sometimes where it becomes a problem is people say, okay, yeah, this, these are the rules. This is how we're going to do it. And then ultimately what ends up happening is they don't follow the rules, which rules we we know are problematic actually because you know when you have this rigid thing when you're in the moment things yeah. feel really hot what's most important is being able to have compassion for your partner to be able to acknowledge that something might have triggered them that that you're feeling some kind of way towards a person then that triggers some jealousy in them and rather than minimizing their jealousy you have a conversation about it how does that make you feel oh i don't want you to feel neglected you're important to me too. So I think that most people would say as soon as you, you're veering for that, it's because there's an issue and you're looking for something else. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is it doesn't always have to be an issue. It could be, and in, in it's probably becoming more mainstream where they're like, no, this is who we are from the beginning, the non-monogamy. Yeah. What's, what's the number one reason why you think a guy or girl goes off and is non-monogamous in a confidential way meaning they're they're cheating as they're cheating yeah, yeah. like you know um hmm like then they come see you right and, and, yeah, and, and yeah. you hear so he cheated on me or yeah. she, she Every, everybody does she's it with the, the gym trainer or whatever yeah everybody like. does it for different reasons the stereotype is that people do it because they're not getting enough sex at home but that's that is not the most common reason I don't, I, I would say that usually it's because they want to feel desired. Yeah. You know, it's just everybody wants to feel desired. And when we get into the day-to-day the -day and we stop making efforts, it's a part of you that you don't get to get met aside from your sexual partners. Yeah. And so if you only have that one sexual partner and, and they're not telling you how hot you are, how much they desire you, how much how much it, they enjoy the sexual experience, then you, you're going to want to get it somewhere else. And it's not necessarily about the sex. It's about the feeling desired. It's about that passion. How often does that happen and people recover from that? Affairs? Yeah. Mm. It's really hard to get the stats because... Just in your own like yeah. thoughts, like yeah. if there's a delta mm -hmm. and somebody's sitting at home and they're like, "Can I recover from this?" What are the chances that they're gonna recover? Here's, from this? here's what I, as a therapist, I want to say you can recover from it. Yeah. That it's just not gonna be your the same relationship. You have to acknowledge. Because the trust. Yeah, the trust has been broken, and the relationship that you had wasn't working. You now have to look at it and say. How are we going to create a relationship that makes us both feel loved, cherished, trust, all of these pieces? And now it's, our, it's, the, new, uh, it's, it's the new relationship. But the thing is, is you are going to need a therapist. Yeah. That typically, if you don't go through therapy, if you don't work on it, you, it may happen again. Or the resentment just builds and 
ultimately you're going to end up divorced. So you do need to see a professional and you're going to need to work on it for a good chunk of time, like at least six months, maybe a year consistently. And, and if you were the one who had sex outside the marriage without consent, then you are the one who's going to need to repair and be in that, be in that place for a while. And I think a lot of times that the person who broke the trust feels like the repair should be a lot quicker yeah. than it is. And so that's why a lot of times that people just, they give up. They're they like, go, what, do you, what do you want from me? I, I, I messed up. I it's, said, I'm sorry. It's been three weeks. Like, I told on. you, you can, you can look at my phone. I told you, you can whatever. And it's like, that's not how trust is rebuilt. Yeah. Trust is rebuilt in the day-to-day. -day. It's when you say that you're going to be home for dinner at 6, and when you know that you're going to be 10 minutes late, you actually let her know. Okay, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. I want to be 10 minutes late, just a heads up. But you, you're not your word if you said you're going to be home at 6 and you show up at 6.10. It's just the fact. Those little basic things. So, so to me, if, mm -hmm. if I said I'm going to be home at 6 and I get home at 6.10, I'd be like... No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, it might not be a big deal if the trust hasn't been broken. Got it. And it might not be a big deal if your partner, if that doesn't matter to your partner. What matters to your partner? Does it, does, it, does it matter to your partner that you're on time? Then you do need to let them know if they're a timely person. But if it doesn't matter, you know, but when the trust has been broken, it's repaired by small gestures that every time you say something, I can trust that it's going to happen. And if I can trust all of that and you empathize with my pain, then I can trust that when I'm not there, you're going to be thinking about me and that you will, you'll, you'll do what you say that you did, you would do. Yeah. That, now we're getting deep. Yeah, I like it. I like it though. That, that's what it's there is like. How do how do people have better relationships? How do they have better intimacy? How do they grow from this conversation that they're afraid to ask? Like I said from the beginning, if if most people went to their spouse and said, "I want to go see a sex therapist," their spouse is either going to think they want to do something weird, they. Um, they're or cheating. I'm not good enough. You don't I'm think I'm good, good enough in bed. You're, you're taking yeah. me to sex therapy so that I can which, be which a better lover. Which is unique, right? Because you said the number one reason for trauma is is that somebody didn't feel good in the beginning. So now mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, uh, you know, catch-22. And, and then and then you have the other side, which is interesting, which is like different people have different kinks and, and, and ways to excite themselves. And, and I asked a bunch of people because I was excited about this, as you know. Like, what's the one question? And, and one of them was like, and it always comes from females, uniquely enough, on this question. I got it multiple times. Like, when do I introduce what I like, like kinks and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Females ask that a lot to me mm -hmm. in, in preparing for this. Yeah, I think you should introduce it before you have sex. I think that... That, that early. Yeah. I think they think if I tell... The guy, as you said earlier, <laughs> stick their finger up my ass. The guy, if he doesn't approve of that, he's gonna like run or think she's, you know. Well, then I have. Isn't I that have, a good thing? Yeah. Because now yes. nobody's ever gonna stick their finger up your ass <laughs> if you don't tell them, yeah. and you're, you know, wait till you're married or something. Um, so yeah, if you have so you a, say before. I say before, so that you can see if you're compatible. Before, but but you haven't really built the trust yet. So. Why do you have to trust someone to be able to tell them what your kinks are? Are they going to go tell somebody, you know, are you in, I mean, who yeah. are you going to tell? Yeah. No, I, I mean. Yeah. You, but, you and I are speaking in a very open environment. I think it's hard for people to be vulnerable around it sex. It is totally hard. But here's the deal that what are you, 
why is it hard? Because we're scared of the rejection. Rejection hurts more when you care about a person. Yeah. It's much scarier when you're committed to a person. And so then I say, tell them before the stakes are that high. But if you do have a kink that feels like it's so on the fringes, that it's like, oh my God, like this is so uh, like a rare thing and I feel like they're definitely going to be uncomfortable with it, start to test the water. Like, you know, hint around, get it, get it. You can, you can gauge the temperature of a person in terms of their level of comfort with other things and then you can decide, do I want to go all in or not? Yeah. But you are certainly risking a lack of satisfaction if you aren't going to tell them until way down the line because now what, you're committed, you're in love, and now it's like, oh, now the stakes are too high, now I don't want to share it, I don't want to lose them. That's you know? interesting, and, and, yeah. ha and have it outside the bedroom. Have it over, you know, glass over of wine. a glass of wine. Have it uh, over a meal. Yeah. You know? So now, like, just this is just the curiosity of me is like brimming now. Like, mm. uh, the 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 girl that wants to be choked. Where, where does that come from, and why? Yeah, you probably shouldn't say that right away because you want to trust you want to trust the person that's choking you. So okay, <laughs> yeah. But like, where's so that, that come? Why yeah. why you know like where yeah. does that come from? What where does that come from? What makes? Well, some people like to be choked because the lack of oxygen intensifies the experience. I think. Okay. And everybody is. So, so this is, this is so funny. Like when people say, where does it come from? You know, that curiosity. So people's kinks come from, it could, it could be your first exposure to porn, pornographic material that you saw something that seemed really exciting. It could be uh, something that you heard that sounds fun and you may not actually really want to do it. It could be related to something that had to do with your childhood and, and nurturing and how you received physical touch. And, and it can be consensual physical touch as a kid. But, you know, th th it just kind of like triggers something in you that's like, ooh, that, I, that made me excited and, and connect it to a kink. But yeah. everybody's different. And, uh, and, and, and I always want to say is that you can, you can find somebody that can that can that can you can navigate your kink with. Well, that's so that that you and I um, talked about one of the more unique things, which is like somebody like being defecated on, right? Yes. And and, and I would go like, where the fuck does that kink come from? Yeah. And you had a very logical answer, which mm -hmm. is like, apparently people like to do this, and 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 you were talking about nurturing and as a kid, mm -hmm. and maybe mm -hmm. expand upon that. Well, you know, this is like a, you know, there's some Freudian stuff if people know about that. It's yeah. like, is that, that in potty training, that sometimes people, the only nurturing that they got, the only touch that they ever got was during potty training, during having their diapers changed, during that sort of a thing, getting, getting their genitals touched in that way. And if they never got other nurturing outside of that, then they tend, they, they can sometimes get stuck in that potty training phase and so then they're then in order for them to be able to to they connect pleasure with that and it, i mean it's a it, it's a complicated answer that yeah. could take a you know yeah it, i'm gonna keep going with, with some of these these kinks and, and just <laughs> rapid fire threesome like what makes somebody want to have a threesome well 
isn't two better than one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people like the idea of having a threesome, but then when they actually do, it can be a little sensory overload. It could be like not as exciting as you thought it would be. Um, a lot of women might fantasize about having a threesome, but they don't want to share it with their partner because then their partner is going to be like, okay, let's go have one. And they're like, well, wait a second. I, it's a fantasy. <laughs> I don't really want to do it. I was just thinking about it and now you're pushing it on me. So now I regret sharing my fantasy with you. Yeah. Uh, now let's go down that. I'm going to just keep firing at you. Mm -hmm. uh, like I'll, ha I'll hear a guy say, well, if, if she hooks, if I'm out of town traveling and she hooks up with a girl, that's not cheating. But if she hooks up with a guy, that is. Like, where does that, yeah. where does that come from? You know, it's interesting because, you know, and uh, is that okay heterosexual or is it women okay? don't think that about men. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? If, if, if he's hooking up with. Yeah, with... yeah. I, um, maybe they don't feel intimidated. Maybe there's not a territorial thing. Uh, that gets back that, that male ego almost on the other side. The yeah. hot wife syndrome is like, oh, I'm, she's desirable, so I'm excited. But then mm -hmm. if she's with a girl, that's fine. But it, yeah. it's unique. Yeah. And maybe if it's, if it's with, if she's, and, and I think that maybe if they knew that there was a possibility that their female partner might fall in love with another woman, then yeah. they might be less turned on by it. But if they don't think that there's the risk of losing her, that's what it is. Is like I think that so much of what people, why people lean in, why people feel like they have to be monogamous is their fear. It's fear-based. It's a, a fear of losing your partner. And if you're not afraid of losing your partner and you're staying in the present moment and, and if I'm going to lose my partner, I'm going to lose my partner, then you're less averse to non-monogamy. How often are normal sexual relationships having sex a week like like there's the thought that like guys over exaggerate right and females like yeah never, like but what's what's the real number is it once a week three times a week twice I think a day that the numbers that historically the numbers are one time a week is average for married long-term relationships one time a week one time a week got it yeah and a like, is there like a like a healthy metric, or is there not like one time a week is healthy and that's fine? Or? I think if it's really good, yeah. But I mean, I think that having great sex once a week would be much better than having shitty sex three times a week. Yeah. Um, okay. Next. Although question. I'd much rather great sex three times. Yeah. A week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Guys also ask, like, how do I have multiple orgasms? How, girls have multiple orgasms. How do a guy have multiple orgasms? Is there a, is there a secret formula or it's For just like, fuck guys? I, I'm amazed at that as well. I, I, that is not an area of my expertise in terms of men and multiple orgasms. Yeah. And, um, and what makes a female have multiple, multiple orgasms? And how does a guy... Oh, how does a guy give her them? Give her them, Yes, right? yes. Because we all, I mean... We all yeah. want to, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's a better question asked of your partner. Yeah. Yeah. But women certainly can. And uh, some women need a break in between orgasms. Yeah. Because the level of sensitivity. So it depends upon how intense. Some women can have multiple orgasms more easily if that first orgasm wasn't as intense. But 
it's it's something that I don't know I don't know that I'm as versed in it as I to be able to say that I know exactly like how to give or and how to yeah. how to be able to um, uh, do that generally speaking because I do think that people's bodies are so different and people react so differently that that I don't know that there's a like a cookie cutter cutter answer for that. Um, so rapid fire on the questions. Um, the the first thing is when's the appropriate like how many dates for sex? It depends upon the person. It depends upon how comfortable. It, what I think, what I'm baffled by is if you don't feel comfortable enough to ask for what you want sexually, I don't think you should be having sex with that person. And, and actually, I, I hate to say that you shouldn't. So it's not a judgment. I just, I want you to be, I want people to be able to feel comfortable to say, hey, what do you, you know, when you're, when they're asking you, hey, what are you into? What do you like? You to be able to say, oh, see, here's some of the things that I like. Here's here's yeah. what would what would feel good for me. And if you feel really uncomfortable with that, and and you shut down, it's okay for you to feel really uncomfortable with it because that's the way we've been socialized. Yeah. You know, we're 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 supposed to know how sex works, but we're not supposed to communicate about it. Like yeah. how odd, right? So I say that there's no number in terms of how soon. It's just a matter of. Are, are the two of you on, on the same page in terms of safer sex? And are you, are, you feeling, are you feeling emotionally safe? And are you feeling like they're going to follow what your requests are in terms of emotional safety? And, and, um, and if you do, then great. Go, ha go have fun between yeah. two consensual adults. But if you're not feeling, if, if, you know, it always sucks to have sex with somebody and then realize, boy, I really don't like this person. Yeah. <laughs> They're such a jackass. I wish I wouldn't have. Um, if somebody's sitting at home and they're listening to this or they're driving on the street and they're listening to this and they go, what's the one thing that they could do better with their partner? What is that? Related to sex? Yeah. Um, well, try to get a bigger dick. Oh, wait, no. I mean. Come on, now you come just. Come on, you didn't even joke. You didn't even laugh you just at that made, joke. Like, Bunch of guys super insecure yeah, about yeah, yeah. yeah. Guys, it is not about your dick. It's about communication. Okay. It's about being curious with your partner. What do you like that I do? What would you like me to do more of? And what's what's something new that you would like to do? And what's something that maybe you you don't care to do anymore? So communicate better. Yeah. And and, and be curious, be compassionate, be non-judgmental when you do that. Don't be like, oh, well, I don't like that answer. Yeah. No, but create, be open so that your partner wants to tell you, oh, well, tell me more. Tell me more. Uh, you get one question for me. What is it? Oh, man. So I can't, I don't know, Trent. I don't know what my question would be. Oh, I know. I really admire your energy that, that since I've known you, you, you're always like, you're always doing something and and I love how you want to give back. And I just, I really admire that about you. And I wonder what drives you in terms of, here you are, this like, this white privileged male. Sure. That grew up privileged. Yep. What, what drives you 
to want to give back to these, you know, the boys in the girls club, to have wanted to coach our kids' soccer team, yeah. to, to, to do these things, to give back to our community. Um, I, think, I think there's, Kyle and I talk about this actually a lot um, in my office. Um, I think that, one, it's, it's the chip on the shoulder. It's not every white privileged male is an asshole. Yeah. They'd like to assume Thank we God. are, but we're not. 95% of the guys I know are really good guys mm -hmm. that want to give back to their communities and doing their great things. And most of my mentors are successful white males. Um, how do we do that in an equitable way? I grew up in Newport Beach, which is really whitewashed, right? Mm -hmm. And I moved to Long Beach um, for work. And then everybody kind of said, like, well, when are you going to move back to Newport? Everybody would say, why would you be living in Long Beach? Yeah. Even my, some of the people in Newport are like, I'm never going to come down there. And for me, it was a conscious decision that I could change and leave a legacy in Long Beach versus just going back to the norm. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I wanted to dispel that myth. And I think the number one way we dispel the myth is, like I see progressive politics, and I, I fundamentally believe that it's wrong. I think that you we don't get to a better place by handing out money or random lotteries where a guy one in one house gets money sent to him and the person next to him doesn't. The person next to him may be working really hard and the guy getting the free money on the on the guaranteed income is doing crack or whatever. You create opportunity. You create opportunities for all races. Um, Miles Davis, who I've mentored since you know the last ten years. I treat him like my own son. If he's got an idea and the idea sucks, I'm gonna tell him the idea sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna kill his dream, but I, I wanna be hard on him in the right times. And if he has a good idea, I wanna nur nurture it and, and be it. And so I think the answer to, to what makes the energy, straight up the energy comes from my three basis, basic fundamentals. Sleep, hydration, exercise. That's where like my whole life starts. If I can do those three things, I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better coworker. I'm going to be a better person. Like I have to have that, those stresses relieved. Mm -hmm. Then I go into what I really want to accomplish in life. And, and, and I've met a lot of assholes that made a lot of money. And I look at them and I go, why? Like, cool, you made a bunch of money and you're mm -hmm. an asshole. Um, I would rather uh, be a good guy and not make as much money. By the way, I question myself because I go, am I better off just going hyper-focused working for 10 years and then all of a sudden I'm Jeff Bezos and I can donate and create schools and and, mm -hmm. and so am I doing it wrong? There's times where I go, am I doing it wrong? Am I giving too much early in my career when I could be investing in my business and maybe give 10 times later? Mm -hmm. I don't know the right answer there, but um, it feels better doing it. It feels like I'm doing stuff with more purpose. Mm -hmm. And so generally my answer when people ask me how I'm doing is I'm doing amazing because I am doing fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. I have two rat kids. I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful, wonderful ex-wife that I have a great relationship with. We've worked really hard to keep a good relationship. Um, I have great company and coworkers, and I'm stoked to see them every day. And so that's just, I just surround myself with good people. And then the last part of it is, I think all too often we allow toxic people to bring us down. And, um, and we have to not allow that, mm -hmm. whether it's toxic news, uh, whether it's social media, all that shit, no. Yeah. You don't need that in your life. Like there's no, my life is so good that I don't need the toxic shit in my mm -hmm. life. I'm mm -hmm. going to choose 
who I hang out with, when I hang out with. That doesn't mean I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of rich white dudes. Mm -hmm. It means I'm going to go hang out with people that are pure and people that are real and people that are, are cool. Some of my best friends are guys that are broke that I've been playing soccer with for 15 years, but we go to war with each other, and it's, mm -hmm. it's a special bond that we have. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's really what it is, just being around good, positive energy. All right. Cool. How was that? Good. Yeah? yeah? Kyle, you're smiling. <laughs> are they not okay are are we gonna here's here's the deal i i like to make sure to say where to people to find me so I oh. think we. Okay. um so let's say i'm a a married couple and i have a good bad life bad life whatever and i want to get better with my spouse one i want to know how do i bring up the idea of sex therapy, whether I'm a male or female to my spouse, in a non-offensive way, where it doesn't create a fight, because I think that's the biggest fear. Mm -hmm. And two, how do I find Elizabeth Dubay and go see her and feel good? Yeah. So introduce it in a way, you could just say, hey, I listened to this podcast and I was thinking, we could take our sex life to the next level. I really, I want us to be able to have a long relationship and I, and I want us to work on this part of our relationship and this person sounds like a, a good person or, or a, a good therapist for us or let's let's check out let let's see if we can find somebody that's a good match for us if you feel like I would be a good match for you then you, you can just google lizdubay.com that's my therapy website and then you can find me on TikTok if you just want some tips yeah that's talk sex with Liz and you can, if, if, you're, uh, if you're a female and you're wanting to figure out how to reignite your desire, how to be able to feel sexually empowered, I have a coaching program that you can sign up for, and that's offered on my, my Talk Sex with Liz website. Cool. And, um, and so, yeah, just Google Long Beach, California, sex therapy, Liz Dubay. Cool. Thank you. <laughs>